Why is it that we can make spaceships to go to Mars, we can make computers even smarter than humans, but we can't figure out how to make our governments work? Why is it we idolize innovation and technology, but we let our governments be dysfunctional? And how can we do better? That's what we'll figure out today. Let's dig in. This is the joy of saving the human race, where we try to get the world to cooperate. It's so the human race can avoid some urgent global problems that could mean the end of civilization and cause lots of suffering around the world. But also, we just want to have a good world that we enjoy and we can feel proud of. We are not just citizens of our own countries. We are citizens of the human race. Let's learn to manage ourselves responsibly. Let's help the human race act like it wants to last for a while. I think humans are awesome and the human race is worth saving. There is no time to waste, so let's do this. Hi friends, welcome to the joy of saving the human race. I'm Shelby Murtis. Thanks for joining me. Let's make things a little better. Let's give ourselves a world we can be proud of. Before we start, I just want to remind you that this show is available on YouTube, on Spotify, and on most podcast players. So you can check it out in multiple places. And I encourage you to subscribe there. I know you're very busy and you might forget to tune in to future episodes, and there are very good episodes to come. So if you subscribe, it'll just show up there for you and you'll remember, and that would be great. So today, what I want to talk about is this difference I notice between our society's innovations in technology versus our innovations in the social and political systems we need to avoid catastrophic outcomes for humanity in the future. So just the backdrop um, that we're working against here, we have several threats to humanity that um, really threaten our future. So there's climate change, which is happening now, and it will get more intense, and it will likely destabilize just about everything. We've got the destruction of nature happening faster than ever before. We're entering the sixth mass extinction on our planet, where we're losing species faster than at any time in the last 65 million years, when the dinosaurs died off. We've got a pandemic now, and we are likely to have future pandemics that could be even worse and could be more frequent than anything we've seen before, um, largely because of that destruction of nature, but also our industrial meat production and uh, people tinkering in labs with dangerous viruses that could escape and those wet markets where animals are sold. So we could have more pandemics in the future and we're entirely unprepared for them. There's nuclear weapons, which are still with us. There are thousands of them. They are still on hair trigger alert, ready to fire. And over the years, many accidents have happened and catastrophe could have occurred and luckily didn't. But um, there could be more accidents and that could be serious. And then we've got digital technologies rolling out that could be very destabilizing for our society. Uh, right now, we've got artificial intelligence in its early stages, powering Facebook and other social media. And it has been well determined that this is really screwing up our public discourse and undermining our political systems. 
And we need a good public conversation, a healthy one, and healthy politics if we're going to solve these many threats that we're up against. So I and others are concerned that uh, ongoing um, advancement of these technologies could be even more destabilizing for our society. So this is all the stuff that we're dealing with, and it's a big mess, and it's um, quite serious what we're up against. So really, in the next 10 or 20 years is going to be where humanity decides if it wants to survive and thrive into the future. Um, and we're going to have to really innovate in a whole bunch of ways in our society if we're going to deal with these threats. So... Because we need so much innovation right now in so many realms of life, that's what I want to consider today is how we innovate and where and how and why and what we prioritize. So I want to just notice how our society treats innovators in technology. And what got me thinking about this is Elon Musk. Um, I notice Elon Musk pop up in the news just about every day for just about everything he does or says or tweets, even when he's talking about things that are not about his work or even in his core knowledge base. It just seems like the news media says, oh my God, Elon said something. We got to go rush off and write it up and make a news article. Um, it's just kind of wild how much I notice him talked about. Now, I'm not criticizing Elon because he strikes me as a nice guy. He seems well-intentioned. He's doing interesting things with his electric, uh, electric cars, with rockets, with implanting computers in people's brains. Very interesting technology. But I'm not sure why one human being deserves that much attention. Um, unless you're like a president or something. I just, I don't understand why we're that enamored of certain people. In the same, and it's not only Elon Musk. There's Jeff Bezos uh, at Amazon. There's Bill Gates at Microsoft. You know, there's also Google and there's Apple. These companies get talked about so much. They get a lot of attention. The people leading these com companies are the richest individuals ever in history. Like people are now more rich than people have ever been in all of human history. And they're leading the biggest, most powerful companies in the world. So this tells me that our society um, seems to idolize these tech innovators and heaps tons of resources upon them to reward them for their work. Now, compare this with innovation in our social and political systems, which we desperately need to function well if we're going to face the many threats to humanity that I just mentioned. So notice that our politicians and government workers are routinely shamed and criticized by our culture. They are paid poorly compared to other industries and in relation to the important work that we need from them. Um, and then also, we've got academics and advocates who work to promote good ideas to improve governments and to solve important social problems that we're up against. And those folks are often poorly paid, and the organizations they work for are underfunded and understaffed, 
compared to the, the problems that they're trying to solve. And almost no one I hear says they're really excited about their government and thinks it's functioning awesomely. So, and at the international level, this is all the worst. So compared to the enormous global problems we have, the United Nations and related global systems are small and weak and underfunded and understaffed. So as I look at all this and I compare these two realms, the technology versus the governance and politics, it looks like our society places more value on rockets, electric cars, brain implants, convenient online shopping, computer software, and gadgets far more than on valuing innovation in critical government systems that can avoid the end of civilization. Now, I want you to know that I'm not against technology. Technology is often useful and important, and we need it for important things, but it's important that we just have the right mindset about it. Now, these many threats to humanity that I've talked about don't get enough attention in our society. When they are talked about, the people who seem most optimistic about the future point to the promise of technology. So they say, yeah, we've got some big problems, but we're going to make it through because look, we've got all these new uh, high-tech things coming along. Look how well we can make vaccines, or we've got renewable energy, electric vehicles, machines to suck carbon out of the atmosphere. There's geoengineering to control the climate. All these new things being invented. So look, we'll be fine. But it's important to know that technology alone will not fix our problems because it's not a shortage of technology that put us in this dangerous situation that we're in. It's not like we are up against the end of humanity because we're primitive. We've been deploying technology for decades or a couple centuries now that's been busy destroying the world and threatening our future. So we've got fossil fuels, vehicles, manufacturing, concrete, buildings, roads, industrial agriculture, logging, fishing, chemicals, plastic, nuclear weapons. We have been deploying insane amount of technology on all these fronts, which have been busy destroying the planet and making our future dangerous. So there is some role to play for new technology that can fix the damage caused by our existing and past technology. But really the missing piece here is our ability to control our own behavior. That's been the problem. So for us to collectively start managing our behavior better, we need effective governments. There's two main realms in which this is essential. One is that governments, unlike any other entities, are able to prohibit the most damaging behavior that people and companies do. So governments can outlaw stuff and make it illegal and enforce it in a way that nobody else can. And so the most damaging behavior we need governments to stop. And then even the more moderately damaging things, government can apply incentives to 
limit or reduce harmful activity and to encourage better actions by people and by companies. Sometimes governments will do this with firm rules or sometimes it'll be by managing the economy to get it to act in a healthier way. Um, and so governments are essential for getting people to stop using fossil fuels and instead use renewables, or to stop spraying harmful chemicals all over the place, or to stop the overfishing, stop the deforestation, to make sure that plastics are always recyclable, um, to have artificial intelligence and other digital technology have safety systems in place before they're released out to the public to potentially do damage, to have safety systems in place for our biology labs that are messing with very dangerous viruses that could escape. Or governments are essential to manage and reduce weapons, including nuclear we need governments for all that stuff. The other area in which governments are essential is to create and manage efforts that the competitive capitalist economic system can't do. Basically, that stuff where cooperation is necessary and governments can rally resources in a way that the private sector can't. And so a government, governments will be essential in basically uh, creating and boosting systems uh, for restoring nature, for managing migration that's a result of intensifying climate change, for global public health systems that we need to manage pandemics, for infrastructure, especially amid climate change, so we need infrastructure that can make us more resilient against you know, storms and floods and wildfires and such, but also to repair after um, those calamities happen. And then also governments uh, need to ensure water for people. And water is scarce in the world. And we need people to have drinking water and water to grow food with. So we need governments to help ensure that. Now, where this is maybe most critical right now, um, or that needs attention certainly, is the United Nations and global systems. Because these are global problems that we're facing that require global solutions. No one country can solve them. But the United Nations is underfunded, they're understaffed, they're kind of structurally broken compared to what we need them to do. And so the United Nations system needs an overhaul of its rules and procedures in order to function better. And it needs the investment and commitment by countries of the world to make this happen. And we need much more um, cooperation and coordination in the world to handle these problems. So given how critical governments are to our future, it just seems goofy to me that we aren't doing more to improve them. So as we compare the innovation and in technology versus, you know, governments, there are activities in the tech world and the private sector that could be applied to government innovation. So one in the tech world I'm noticing is the XPRIZE Foundation where they will rally many millions of dollars to have a contest. And then teams of innovators will pitch in ideas to 
try to win this prize. And so they've done prizes on uh, space exploration, computing, energy efficient vehicles, healthcare technology, removing carbon from the atmosphere, several other things. And so this type of process has inspired a lot of innovation. And so we could do something similar for political innovation. Another concept or thing to notice is that in Silicon Valley or in the digital tech world, there's a lot of venture capital firms and other investors that are pouring billions of dollars into the next um, innovations. So they're chasing the next app, the next social media company, the next computing technology. There's a lot of early money that goes into this process. And investors know that not every uh, bet will pay off, that not every idea will result in a good product, or that every um, company will flourish. But that space seems to realize that early money in development of an idea is critical. And again, we could apply that in the political space to good political ideas. And then beyond just the tech world, just the, the um, private sector economy in general, I noticed that the world spends over two trillion US dollars annually on research and development. That's two trillion with a T, like 2,000 billion. Now, the vast majority of this is to develop products. A lot is within this pot of money, but it's mostly developing products that get sold. Um, now, I love products. I use products. I'm using some products right now as I talk with you. But some could argue that we have too many products in the world. That's why the environment is getting destroyed. Um, what if we took just a portion of that $2 trillion dollars of research and development and put it toward research and development on governments and political systems that work better, that governments could be more effective and could have better citizen engagement and generally work better. There's a lot that we could do. So innovation requires money. It requires money to hire smart people to do good work. Now there's no payback here that I'm aware of like there is in business. So it has to be funded in a different way. Um, so this will require donations, um, philanthropy, hopefully wealthy people kicking in money for this, um, or governments putting a portion of their tax money toward innovation and new ideas. So where I think all this could be most important is internationally to give us a new and improved United Nations system. So an idea I am putting into the world here that I would love to see and is entirely possible is where we collect um, from wealthy individuals, companies, philanthropy, put together a pot of several million dollars and with this, we would hire several hundred of the world's best political scientists, sociologists, psychologists, historians, probably additional kinds of scientists as well. And these people would collaborate and develop a new international system that is capable of managing these huge threats to world civilization. Because our current 
global system is entirely unprepared for what we're up against. And ideally, this process would have the blessing of world's governments. But even, in not, even if not, we could just do it anyway. Develop this, um, you know, new ideas for this kind of uh, governance globally. And then these investors could spend millions more explaining it to the world, having a good communication process so that world citizens understand these new ideas, and also lobby our world's governments to get on board and support it. Now, this idea I suggest, I know it's big, and it would not happen overnight. This would happen over a few years, but it's entirely doable. We've had innovation in other realms of our life. We just need to innovate in our public space. So if you, dear listener, are able to help with such a project, please contact me. Go to the Joy of Saving the Human Race website and send me a message there. If you're one of those kind of social scientists who would work on such a thing, or if you have resources, uh, money to invest in such a thing, just let me know. And then we'll gather some more people and let's collaborate and make it happen. So what I'm noticing right now as we face these serious threats as a human race is that so many of us are alarmed, we're worried about the future, and it seems like everyone is just watching this unfolding disaster, feeling powerless to get control of this. And it's because we just don't have the tools at our disposal to manage it, basically the government systems that are necessary. So what I see at all levels of government is that we keep approaching these broken systems, looking for solutions to issues we care about, and then we're chronically disappointed with the outcome. And so as I look across the mainstream media landscape and the general conversation, there's so much attention given to issues, but not enough attention given to improving the systems themselves that will give us the good outcomes we need on these issues we care about. There's just not been enough focus on the systems. And so if we focus more on these broken systems, we might be able to solve problems better and then give ourselves the ability to create the future that we deserve. So as I look around, it seems to me that most people have resigned themselves to always having crappy governments and just think that there's no decent way to solve big problems. But I don't think we should be giving up yet because we haven't really tried yet. There have been some small number of people trying to improve our governments, but there's been not enough of them and they've been underfunded. We have not as a society put enough energy and resources in the, same, in the right place to build the tools and systems we need to manage our affairs. It seems that too many people have low expectations on that front. We've been putting up with less than we deserve. We need to have a higher self-esteem. We need to expect better for ourselves and for the future. Let's innovate in our governments. So that's what I got for you for today. I just want to remind you that saving humanity is a team effort. So I really hope that you will 
forward this show and other shows to friends and others you know and just spread the word and help us build an audience and build a team of people who want to make the world better all right until next time let's try to be the best people we could be thanks for joining me i'll talk to you soon thanks for listening but you're not done yet we can't change the world if we keep the joy of saving the human race to ourselves Help me spread the word and help this movement grow. Please subscribe to the show, both the podcast and the YouTube channel. Leave ratings or reviews, which encourages others to listen. Share this show with others on your social media. Even better, just tell a friend about it and have a good conversation about the state of the world. These things really make a difference. I hope you can help the show grow and reach a larger audience. I'm grateful for your help. Thank you. And please stay in touch with me. I love to get feedback, suggestions, and questions. Go to the website at joyofsavingthehumanrace.com. At the website, you'll learn more about the show, and you can sign up to get occasional email updates. Thanks to Moby for the show's theme music, and thanks to you for being here. All right, we're done for today. Be well. I'll talk to you soon.